Spirit, both now and ever and unto the ages of all ages. Amen. This man is blind from birth and he's sitting and he's begging and uh, you, you were, in, in Jesus' time, you know, you were as good as your earning potential. So um, if you didn't have any earning potential, if you weren't able to make money, uh, then you weren't able to sustain yourself and then you were basically relegated to beg. The only thing that you could possibly do is beg and it's the only way you could probably you could possibly live at all. So it was for widows and orphans, or sometimes otherwise called the fatherless, because only men only men worked. Women didn't work for the most part. There were little things women could do that ah couldn't make a living, but you know just this and that. So this man begs day in day out, blind, never seen a single thing ever in his life. Opens his eyes. And he sees Jesus. Imagine that Jesus appears to you right now. Smack in front of your face. Now imagine you've been blind your whole life. You've never seen anything in the whole wide world. Ever anything. All of you, you hear things. You smell things. You've touched things. You've tasted things. Never have you ever seen anything. Ever in your whole entire life. You don't even have eyeballs. And all of a sudden, boom, you see Jesus. What would you say? What would you say? What would you think? What would, what, what would cross your mind? Let's pause for a minute here and think about how glorious, how kind, how gentle, how, how, how lovely, how bright this moment is in the Gospels. It, it passes like this. And his eyes were opened. And then the conversation with the Pharisees. And then, and then, right? But what, what glory? What would you say? Put yourself in this man's shoes. What kind of words would come to your mouth? I, I, I don't know what I would say. I'm like you. I'm sitting here silent, right? I don't know what I would say. I have no idea. I think just my jaw would drop. You know? Right? When Stephen was being stoned and he saw the heavens open before him, he said, he looked up steadfastly to heaven, saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God and said, Behold, I see the heavens open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. What glory! Job, in Job 42 says, My ears have heard of you, but now my eyes have seen you. My ears have heard of you. I heard this man coming. I heard him and his disciples talking. But who sinned? This man or his parents? And we're going to get to that in a minute. But now my eyes have seen you. Or are we going to say like Solomon in Song of Songs? He says, Behold, you are handsome, my beloved. Yes, pleasant to the eyes. Behold, you are handsome, my beloved. Pleasant to the eyes. Who said that something was pleasant to the eyes? Anybody remember? Somebody a long time ago said something was pleasant to the eyes. Someone. She was a woman. Ah, oh, women. <laughs> right? Just kidding. Right? Eve looked at the fruit and said that it is pleasant to the eyes, it is good for food, and pleasant to make one wise. 
right? We're not going to talk about that. That was the gospel of the second Sunday of Lent. The gospel of temptation relates very much to that passage, Genesis 3, 6. But now we see Jesus. We don't say to the fruit, you are pleasant to the eyes anymore, stinking apple. No, we say, behold, you are handsome, my beloved. Yes, pleasant. Tell Jesus, you are handsome, you are pleasant, you are beautiful. What else in the Psalms? King David says, you are most excellent of men and your lips have been anointed with grace since God has blessed you forever. In other versions it says, you are the most handsome amongst all men. The word used in Arabic is like, you are the most awesomely, amazingly, excellently beautiful amongst all men. Like, it's like a superlative of a superlative of a superlative. Like, it doesn't get greater. Somebody say it for us in Arabic. Auntie, there you go. What she said, right? Right? What glory, what joy. And some of us, this is our, this is our reality. We go day to day seeing Him and rejoicing. Seeing Him and, and praising Him. The natural response to any encounter with God is one of two things. Either praise or repentance. If you see Jesus, what will you do? You'll praise Him. You'll say, you are handsome. You are pleasant. You are beautiful. You never have the eyes of man set themselves on anything more beautiful than this. But that's not what the disciples say. The disciples are walking man by this man and they say, did this man sin or did his parents sin? The disciples see Jesus day in and day out, right? And they're not saying, you are the most handsome and most awesomely, excellently beautiful and so on. They're saying, now Jesus, we want to ask you, now, did this man sin or did his parents sin? And we sometimes ask the same questions in our life. Right? Sometimes stuff happens in our lives, right? Stuff we don't want to happen in our lives. And we say, is this because I sinned? Is this because of this? Or is this because other is this because I'm a bad person? Or is this because other people are bad? Bad things have happened in my life. Somebody smashed into my car. <laughs> our church is downtown, right? So this shows you how smart I am. I parked my car. In the parking lot right next to, we don't have a parking lot, but the school has a parking lot right next to us. So I parked my car in the parking lot of the school. And one day I was at church taking confessions. I don't know what, I was like, looked at my watch, it's like 2.30 in the morning. I'm leaving. I go out to my car, my window is smashed. Right? Why did, why, why me? Why did this happen to me? Right? Why? None of us say, how did this happen? Where did this happen? When the only question we always ask is, Why? Why me? Right? And the disciples said, why this man? Why is he born blind? Is it because I sinned, God? Is it because I'm a bad person? Or, I mean, the only other logical conclusion is, is because the other people are bad. Right? Either I'm bad and God wants to punish me, or the people are bad and that's why they smashed my window. Right? They rummaged around in the car. Of course, they didn't find anything to take. Right? And they left. Anyhow, I have a lovely con congregation. They helped me get the car fixed real quick and everything. Lent my car to some of the youth. And they did, they, they're doing some service and running around uh, a couple of weeks later. Uh, and literally like 10 days later or something, right? And they took the car and they parked it there on a Sunday night. They told me, Buna, your car is in the parking lot at church. 
uh, any time when you want to pick it up. Sure, no problem. And I was exhausted and whatever, so I said, forget it, I'll just pick it up tomorrow. Guess what happened? Ten days later, the window got smashed, right? I don't think the question is why. <laughs> I think the question is where, <laughs> you know? Stop parking your car in the lot where your window keeps getting smashed. <laughs> Reuse your brain a little bit, right? The question isn't why. The disciples tell Jesus, did man, man sin or his parents sin? Jesus says, what does he answer them? Jesus doesn't answer them why or where or any other funny, foolish things that I'm saying. Jesus answers them and says, Neither this man nor his parents sinned, but that the works of God should be revealed in him. That the works of God should be revealed in him. I want to reveal to you the works of God. Sometimes we don't say, why did my window get smashed? Sometimes we say, how long? How long, O Lord? King David in Psalm 13 says, How long, O Lord? How long must I be in hiding in daily anguish in my heart? How long shall my enemy have the upper hand? How long shall my enemy be exalted over me? It says in the, in the New King James Version. Sometimes we don't ask how long. Sometimes we ask why. Habakkuk asked that question. He asked the question that we often ask. Why do the bad guys come out on top? Why do the bad guys come out on top? Habakkuk says, O oh Lord, how long must I call for help before you listen? I shout to you in vain and there is no answer. I cry, help, murder. I cry, but no one comes to save. Must I forever see this sin and sadness all around me? Wherever I look, I see oppression and bribery and men who love to argue and to fight. And the law is not enforced. There is no justice in your courts. For the wicked far outnumber the righteous and bribes and trickery prevail. You find everything in the universe, you'll find it in Scripture. The first one saying, how long, O Lord, when will you answer me? The second one is saying, I, I prayed, I cried. You didn't answer. Maybe you're not going to answer. Maybe you're not going to answer. Maybe you're not faithful. Uh-oh. Maybe you're not faithful. Uh-oh. You think that's bad? Go to Job. Go to Job. Go to Job 7. Job says something. You can see the anguish of his heart. Job says, What is man that you should exalt him? And so on and so on, right? And he says to him, Who is man that you should visit him every morning to test him? He's saying, Who am I that you should wake me up every morning to tease me, to taunt me? Who am I? Like, like, am I the last human being left on the... Go, go bother somebody else, he says. In the next verse, how long will you look... Will you not look away from me? Job is so much in anguish. He stopped telling God, how long until you come to me? He started telling God, how long until you go away from me? Every time you come, you bring trouble. He's saying, leave me alone that I might just swallow. I don't have time to swallow from one mo moment to the next... He, Job is sitting and everything is good. And he's just sitting and he's just about to eat his lunch. He's just about to put his fork in. And the, the guy comes and tells him, the raiders came, whatever, they stole all your camels. Mashi the camels, fine, okay, free. God, you gave, God, you took away, take the camels, right? The fork isn't even in the food yet. The next guy runs in, right? A, a wind came, the donkeys went wild, they all ran away. Fine, we lost the donkeys, right? And then he, he's just about to blink. He hasn't had time to blink yet. And then more bad news. And then this and then that. And then 
a storm came and the roof fell and all your 14 kids are dead. Ya Rabbi. All dead, all in one shot. He's saying, God, leave me alone. Like, okay, you're not going to come. You're not going to answer my prayers. You're not going to help me. Fine, leave me alone at least. At least, at least, leave me be. Like, if you're not going to be helpful, right? Sometimes when there's a problem and we're all trying to solve it together and one person sits and complains, I'll turn to them and say, look, if you're not going to be helpful, your mother, didn't your mother teach you? You don't have anything good to say? Don't say anything at all, right? Job is saying that to God. He's saying, if you're not going to be helpful, at least leave me alone. At least leave me alone. See the anguish. See the pain. You find everything. Everything you'll find. You'll, everything you could ever imagine, you'll find in Scripture. How long, O oh Lord? Some of us see Him and rejoice, but some of us, we don't see Him, right? And some of us, we don't see Him, and we're saying, how long, O oh Lord, until we see You? How long, O Lord, until we see you? Jesus answers us and he says, No one has seen God at any time, but the only begotten of the Father, he has declared him. Yes, you haven't seen. But let me tell you about him, Jesus says. Let me tell you about him, Jesus says. Right? In Numbers, it says, before we get to Numbers, in the litany of the gospel, the priest prays and he says, Many prophets and righteous men have desired to see what you see and have desired to hear what you hear and have not seen it and have not heard it. But blessed are your eyes for they see and your ears for they hear. May we be made worthy to hear and to act according to your holy gospels. Now I want to ask you a question. Do you believe that these words are true or not? They're from Matthew 13. They're Jesus' words. Jesus said them to his disciples. Do you believe that they are true? Do you believe that you are able to see what many righteous men and prophets wanted to see, but they couldn't see? And wanted to hear, but they couldn't hear? Do you believe that? Do you believe you have access to something that Abraham, that Moses, that Elijah, that Elisha, that name all the righteous men of the Old Testament, they all wanted to see it, they wanted to hear it, but they couldn't see it, but they couldn't hear it. Or are we just uh, doing hocus pocus here, right? We just say a whole bunch of words that don't mean anything and nothing means nothing, right? And we do the hokey pokey and we turn ourselves about and everybody's happy and goes home, right? Or is this real? Is this a reality that you believe to be a divine reality? You believe this to be more true than anything else is in the, in the universe? Now, if so, what is it? What is it that you get to see, that you get to hear, that Abraham and Moses and Elijah and, and, and did not get to see and did not get to hear? I mean, these guys, these guys really knew God. Like in Numbers, the passage I was going to read before, it says about Moses, Numbers 12, says, And he said, Hear now my words. If, you, if there were a prophet among you, I, the Lord, would make myself known to him in a vision or speak unto him in a dream. But my, with my servant Moses, God says, with my servant Moses, it is not so. I don't use visions and dreams with my servant Moses, God says. With my servant Moses, it is not so, who is faithful in all my house. With him I speak mouth to mouth, even apparently and not in dark speeches. And the similitude of the Lord shall be beheld. For then, wherefore then, 
were you not afraid to speak unto my servant Moses? Because they were, they were saying, ah, Moses, Moses, the people of Israel, get us a new leader. This guy's leading us nowhere, get us a new leader. So he's telling them, even if you get another leader, even if you get another prophet, how will I speak to him, God is saying. Huh? Through dreams? Through visions? No, I chose Moses. Moses is not like anybody ever else. Moses was faithful in every single thing I told him to do. Over 52 times it says, and the Lord commanded Moses and he did all that the Lord commanded him. My goodness. How faithful was Moses? And Moses wanted to see and wanted to hear and he couldn't. But God says, Moses is not like anybody else. I speak to him like a man speaks to his friend. It says about Abraham. I speak to him here. He says, mouth to mouth. Look, I'm talking to you like this. Not with dreams and visions. Many people come to me and they tell me, when I was asking God His will for my life and this and this, this job, this relationship, whatever, and I think He gave me a sign. God's saying, I don't talk to Moses with signs. I talk to Moses like I talk to you. It says about Abraham, He speaks to him as one who speaks to his friend. Now, you want to tell me that I, sitting in a pew over here, come to church, I pray now and again, I read the Bible, or I try to, maybe I fit it in, you know, on the train, on the bus, between this, between that, whatever. I'm not faithful in everything. God commanded me a bazillion things. I do about three of them. And you want to tell me that I can see something Moses couldn't see, and I can hear something Moses couldn't hear. Is that what you're trying to tell me? Is that what the gospel is saying? Yes. Do you believe it? Now that's the question. Now that's the question. Jesus says, no one has seen the Father at any time, but the only begotten Son who is in the bosom of the Father, He has declared Him. Isaiah, in, in Isaiah chapter 6, Isaiah is prophesying. And all of a sudden, he sees God sitting on the throne. And he sees the cherubim and the seraphim. And he says the whole place was filled with the glory of the Lord. And he falls on his face and he says, Woe to me, for I am a man of unclean lips. What? Didn't you just, that's Isaiah chapter 6, didn't you just write five chapters? Didn't you, weren't you just prophesying in the Holy Spirit? How are you a man of unclean lips? What is unclean? The Holy Spirit is using you to write prophecies. Did is, isn't it in Isaiah chapter 1 that it says, The ox and the donkey will know its maker, prophesying about the birth of Christ. Didn't you prophesy the incarnation? Aren't you the great prophet? Oftentimes, when, when we refer to, the reading, to a passage from Isaiah, we don't even say Isaiah the prophet. We just say the prophet. Like, who else? Isaiah. You are a man of unclean lips. He says, yes. I saw him. When I saw him, I fell on my face and I said, Woe is me, for I am undone. I am a man of unclean lips. In the New Testament, when Peter takes Jesus out before he was a disciple, and Jesus preaching from the boat, and he tells him, launch out into the deep for a cast, cast your nets, for go fishing. St. Peter says, we've been fishing all night, but uh, fine, if you say so, right? And Jesus says, listen to this, it's kind of funny, eh? It kind of describes me exactly. Jesus says to him, let down your nets for a catch. What does St. Peter do? Cast out into the deep, and for reasons that, that exceed like what we can talk about today because of the time, what Jesus asked him made absolutely no sense. Right? It was, like, it was like me telling you to go try to, I don't know, sell uh, snow to the Eskimos. 
right? We've been talking about that for the last while, right? You know what I mean? It was just like nonsense, right? Anyhow, Jesus says to him, let down your nets for a catch. What does St. Peter do? He goes out into the deep and he lets down a net for a catch. One, right? Let down his nets, right? He lets down a net. What happens? Full of fish. Calls to his friends, come, come, help us, come, help us, come, help us. And they come and, they, and they're struggling and the boats are sinking because there's more fish in the, in the boat than the boat can, can carry, right? And Peter looks to Jesus and he says, Depart from me, O Lord, for I am a sinful man. There's only two reactions that ever happen when somebody meets God. Either praise or repentance. But what did Jesus say about the appearance of God to Isaiah? Jesus, in John 12, says, These things Isaiah said when he saw his glory and spoke of him. And he that sees me has seen him who sent me. And Jesus says, And he who sees me has seen him who sent me. But I don't know what you're saying when you're sitting there and you're listening to all this. I know what I'm saying. I'm saying, God, where, when, where are you? I want to see you. I woke up early, Saturday, right? Everybody else in the city is like either sleeping in or doing some recreational activity of some kind. But I'm here. I'm honest. I'm genuine. I promise you. I want to see you. I want to have this experience. I want to have this experience of, of praise and of glory. How? And you find the readings, the readings are so beautiful because they'll always show us how. They'll always show us how. If you go to the Pauline epistle today, you'll find St. Paul is telling us, put off the old man and his deeds and put on the new man who is renewed in knowledge according to the image of him who created him, where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcised nor uncircumcised, barbarian, skyven, slave nor free, but Christ is in all, is all and in all. Therefore, my beloved, put on tender mercies, Kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering, bearing with one another, forgiving one another. If anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so you also must do. But above all things, put on love, which is the bond of perfection, and let the peace of God rule in your hearts, which also you were called to in one body, and be thankful. Find St. Paul is telling us exactly what we have to do if we want to see him. Jesus, at the end of the passage, this encounter with the blind man, blind man goes, washes, can see, goes into the temple to thank God, and all of a sudden, they start quizzing him. Who opened your eyes? It was Jesus. Can't be Jesus. He breaks the Sabbath. He's a bad guy. Well, can a bad guy open somebody's eyes? I don't know. I don't know. Call his parents. Parents are like, I don't know. Got nothing to do with him. They don't want to get into any trouble. So they throw their son under the bus, right? Which they probably kind of did already since they left him to beg. Anyhow, and in the end, right? They tell him, you know, you, they basically tell him, you go to hell. They basically tell him, you go to hell, right? Get out of here. And they throw him out of the temple. Right? They like excommunicated him. Right? So the, the blind man, I mean, he doesn't know where to go. Like, he doesn't know how to get anywhere. He's never seen a street before. Right? So he walks out of the temple. And who does he find? Jesus. What does Jesus say to him? He says to him, do you believe in the Son of God? Do you believe in the Son of God? What does the blind man answer? I love his answer. 
He says, Who is he, Lord, that I may believe in him? Who is he, Lord, that I may believe in him? Tell me who he is, and I'm happy to believe in him. He says, I'm willing. I just don't know how. And that's your prayer and mine. We're sitting here, you're sitting in a pew, and you're saying, God, I'm willing. Like, tell me. Tell me what I have to do, and I'll do it. Tell me where I have to go, and I'll do it. I'm willing. Jesus answers him, and he says, You have both seen him, and it is he who is talking with you. What does the blind man do? He's no longer blind. Throws himself at Jesus' feet, and he says, Lord, I believe. This is the fulcrum of seeing. This is the fulcrum of seeing. That part that's right before when Jesus says to his disciples, Blessed are your eyes for they see and your ears for they hear. Right before that, Jesus tells them the parable of the sower. A sower, a farmer, you know, went out to sow some seed. And he sowed some seed, some of it fell on the road, some of it fell here, some of it fell there, some of it fell there. So, he basically told them a story that was like any other story, right? So, like something that was just common knowledge for that time. It's like me telling you, so I woke up and then I brushed my teeth and I took a shower and I put my clothes on and I went to work. Amen. And you'll be like, what? What's the story? Like, what's, what, what is there? So the disciples tell him, like, why do, you, why do you talk in parables? Nobody understands what you're saying. And he tells them, you, to you it has been given to see and to you it was given to hear. Blessed are your eyes for they see and your ears for they hear. What's the difference between Jesus' disciples and the multitudes? What's the difference between... Why does he say that to his disciples, although the multitudes are all standing there? He doesn't turn to them and say, Blessed are your eyes, for they see, and your ears, for they hear. He just turns to his disciples and he says that. Why? Well, what's different between his disciples and the multitudes? The multitudes are spectators. They're sitting, and they're listening, or they're standing, and they're listening. And they're assessing. I'm going to see this guy. Everybody's following this guy. Let's see. Is he good? Is he any good? Is he any bad? I don't know. Let's see. Let's, uh, you know, suss him out. Right? But the disciples, they left all and followed him. Why did they leave all and follow him? The message today is not leave all and follow him. The message today is that they believed him. When he told Matthew, follow me, Matthew believed him. So he got up and he followed him. He told, you know, Peter, Andrew, James, and John, follow me. He believed him. And so on and so on with all of the other disciples. When he said to the blind man, do you believe in the Son of Man, Son of God? He said to him, who is he, Lord, that I may believe in him? Right? And then Jesus says something. Jesus said something, says something, which is, I think... A very strong rebuke. He says, For judgment I have come into this world, that those who, may, who do not see may see, and that those who see may be made blind. Let me ask you something. Here's a little riddle for you. Alrighty? For our, uh, for our smart kids who are really good at riddles. What is one thing that is able to make you see and also able to make somebody go blind? Just one thing. Not two things. One thing. Light. How does light make you see? There's no light. You turn the lights on. You can see. So wait a minute. How does light make you go blind? How does light make you go blind? 
if there's too much of it, right? So I had this experience as a doctor in training, right? You know, you do these overnight on calls, and the overnight on calls, last story, and we'll summarize now. The, these overnight on calls, you'd have a call room that you can sleep in, and it was always in like the basement of the basement of the dungeon's basement, you know? It was like, you know, like six floors underground, you know, there's no cell phone reception there. You know that if you died, they would find you 20 years from now or something. You know what I mean, right? And there's obviously no windows. So being, you know, like a, a rookie at this and on call for trauma and emergencies and stuff like that, I would go and finally got a quiet moment. It's like 2 a.m. and I'm exhausted, close the door, take my shoes off and just lie down. Ah and lie down in like, like a flat board on the bed, right? And then the pager goes off, you look, it's a trauma, slip my shoes on, open the door, run out into the hallway, which is bright light, and BAM! Like I can't see anything, and I'm like staggering through the hallway until I can just barely open my eyes, right? And then I learned, I learned something. Don't close the door. <laughs> Leave the door like open just a little bit. So you wake up and there's a little bit of light. And then when you open the door and you fly, fly, fly out of the room, right? You don't get blinded by the light. So every time I keep the door closed and I live in the darkness, what does the light do? It blinds me. But when the light is dim, you know, I made this mistake. Mary told me, uh, we have a guest coming over, whatever, can you clean the house? I told her, sure, what do you want me to do? She's like, first you dust, then you vacuum. You dust first, so the dust falls to the ground, you go do other stuff, let it resettle, and then you vacuum. If you vacuum first and you dust later, it doesn't work. Okay, so what did I do? I dusted, and I vacuumed, and I did, and I did everything exactly the way she said. Mary comes home, turns all the lights on, Right? And she's like, you didn't clean. I'm like, yes, I did. She says, you didn't clean. I'm like, no, no, I did, I did. I cleaned, I promise, right? And she says, but look, there's dust over here and there's dust over here and I couldn't see it. Why? Because I didn't have to turn the lights on, right? So the light, like, you know, there was some light, you know, I didn't do this in pitch darkness, right? You know what I mean? But like, I didn't turn all the lights on. When you turn all the lights on, you can see. You can see clearly. You can see details. You can appreciate nuances. You can see, you know, what's the difference between somebody, you know, who's alive and standing in front of you and somebody who's alive and standing in front of you who's really awesome, who's really handsome, who's really beautiful. The details, the nuances, uh, how they uh, got their hair cut, uh, their body build, I don't know, whatever. Whatever it is you find, you know, particularly attractive. It's the details. You can only see those details when the lights are on, right? So, if the lights are on full blast, they might blind me. But if the lights are on full blast, they might also give me the opportunity to see in joy and in happiness. So the light is the same. The light doesn't change. It's the same light. To one person is discovery and joy and gladness. To another person is blindness. Jesus says, I came to make those who say they can see blind and to make those who are blind to see what's the difference the difference is the person not the light the difference is you and me why is it you see when the light shines and I become blind because you are accustomed to the light because every time God knocks on my door 
and says, open it just a chink, just a tiny bit. And it's open just a little bit, I slam it shut. Just, just come to church, just repent, just listen to the sermon, just I slam it shut. I slam it shut, I slam it shut, I slam it shut. On the last day, I'll close my eyes on earth and I'll open them on the other side and I will be engulfed in light and Jesus will receive me himself and he will open his arms to me and he'll tell me, my son, I've been waiting for you. But will that light be light to me or to be blindness? Another person, door is open just a chink. God slips his hand through, says, hold my hand. He says, sure. He says, let me open it a little more. He says, okay. He says, you know that time you were with your buddies and so on, you said that comment was a little sarcastic. I think it hurt somebody's feeling. Maybe you should repent. Maybe you should confess. Maybe you should go say sorry. He says, I will, Lord, right away. Like the blind man, who is he, Lord, that I may believe in him? Yes, Lord, right away, I'll go. I'll go, right? And maybe this guy, that guy that sits at the cafeteria by himself, eats by, maybe you should go eat with him. No problem, God. But people, people might make fun of you. Don't worry about it, God. I got it. Make fun of me. So what? Well, people make fun of him all day in and day out. They're going to make fun of me one day. I'll go eat lunch with him. No problem. Um, maybe you should uh, be a little bit more patient. But just, uh, sure, God, no problem. Right? Every time the doors open a little bit more, I say, open it more, Lord. Says, God says, okay, I've got to open it a little bit. I say, open it more, Lord. The last day, close my eyes here for the last time. And I open them on the other side. And who receives me? Jesus. Who says I am the light of the world. And I am engulfed in light. And that light becomes for me joy and happiness. And that light becomes for me a light that I can, I can say now with Job. Before my ears have heard of you. But now my eyes see you. And I can say with Solomon. In Song of Songs. I can say with him. My beloved is handsome. Yes. He is pleasant. And I can say with King David, you are the most excellent of all men and your lips are anointed with grace because God has blessed you forever. Glory be to God forever and ever. Amen. I have sinned. Forgive me. Father, please, please pray.